From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, she makes it easy and helps keep more money in your wallet. This is For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Haq. Welcome to What It's Worth. This is our last show of the year, and what a year it has been. 2022 has been a remarkable year, even compared to the first couple of years of the pandemic. We saw the cost of living go up. We saw interest rates rise. So it costs us more to borrow money from the bank and service the loans that we already have. And we're seeing those inflation numbers stay persistently high. Uh, The latest inflation data or the last data for 2022 shows that inflation is still at 6.8%, which is more than three times of where the Bank of Canada wants it to be. And how are they going to mitigate that? They're going to continue to raise interest rates. Because if you drill down into that number, the main things that we need in our everyday life, like groceries, continue to be higher year over year, over 11%. And so that's putting a bit of a damper on the holidays, definitely on our holiday spending. Uh, Many of us are pulling back a little bit. I know I definitely have pulled back, uh, especially on my kids' gifts. I did not go overboard for a number of reasons. One, because I'm getting set up for an economic slowdown next year too. Who knows what could happen? And the second is, is that I really want them after two and a half years of the pandemic to not just slip back into their old habits of just getting whatever they ask for. I really want them to understand that things cost money and you have to wait for certain things to actually uh, be available to you. You can't just have them whenever you want them. Um, I'm also making a couple of New Year's resolutions. One of them is about money and the other one has nothing to do with money, but I'm going to make you wait until the end of the show to let you know Uh, what those resolutions are. I think for this year, they really speak to some of the bad habits that I've picked up in the last two and a half years and some things that I just want to do to be better. I mean, that's why we make resolutions, right? We make them so that we can make ourselves a better person. I know a couple of years ago, I had a dear friend and she still is a dear friend where I really made a conscious effort that I was going to connect with her more in a real way. I was going to be more sensitive to her feelings because that's something over time when you know somebody for a while, you sometimes just take that for granted. And I think I did it successfully. I think that we were able to connect. I made an effort to meet her one-on-one and not always make it about a big group thing or a big family thing. So kind of getting back to the basics of how our friendship started. And so I, one of my resolutions is about that. And the other one is about money, but I will break those all down at the end of the show today. So stay tuned. We have a fantastic show today. We're going to talk about financial confidence, how it has eroded during the pandemic because of all those things that I just talked about and what we can do in 2023 to be more financially confident. What tools can we find? And the connection between mental health and financial health, and why we are more and more recognizing that the two go hand in hand. If you are feeling financial stress, then your mental health, if you have underlying mental health problems, can will get worse. And if you have mental health issues, you often don't have the capacity to often take care of your financial health because you're dealing with other things in your life that are taking priority. So how do those two connect, and how can we work together to make sure that we're taking care of both of those so that we can stay in harmony and feel much better about our mental health and about our financial health. And we're also going to talk about money in 2023, salaries in 2023. Across the board, every company in this industry, rather I should say every industry in this country, right? Every industry in this country is 
saying that they are going to be raising their salaries of their employees in 2023. So across the board, every company across the country is saying that they have the capacity to increase labor costs. So that means paying people more. That means hiring more people. But what does that mean with a recession facing us in the early parts of 2023? Uh, you know, this survey was done a couple of months ago. Could that be something that's short-lived? You know, once a recession hits and profits are affected, how can a company offer more money if their own profits are falling. And if you are in a position where maybe you could be asking for a higher salary, what can you do to make that happen? Even in the company that you already work with, uh, what kind of preparation should you do before you go to have that conversation? Because a lot of people are feeling the, the pressure of how much everything costs right now. And one of the ways to remedy that is to ask for more money. If you were hired in a big expensive city like Toronto or Vancouver or Calgary or Montreal, and you've seen all your costs go up, you've seen your rent go up. So you go to the grocery store and you're paying 50% more for the same stuff you did last year because you happen to be buying things that have been most impacted by inflation, but your salary remains the same. So all of a sudden it just feels like you're just making less. So can you use that as an excuse to actually go in and ask your boss for more money, we are going to break that down with the career counselor, some tips on how we can do better when it comes to asking for a raise and if we are even in a position to ask for one. Because according to him, not everybody should be asking for a raise. And he also doesn't believe that every company, despite the fact that the survey says so, is really in a position to pay people more. So we have lots of stuff coming up on the program today. I'm Rabina Ahmed Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Hawk. A new survey by Interact shows that the majority of Canadians, they find 61% of us say they that we face barriers that hinder our feeling of financial control. So the majority of us feel as if we're not in control of our finances. And things have become worse during the pandemic, the rising cost of living, higher interest rates, and now the threat of recession in 2023 is only making matters worse. So how can we do better as we start to look towards the new year in 2023? A lot of us make New Year's resolutions, and a lot of times they have to do with money and doing better with our money. So how can we become more financially confident? And where can we find the tools if we're feeling a bit lost when it comes to our money? To talk about this and more, I want to welcome in my guest, Asil Albaba. She's from Conscious Economics, a national not-for-profit organization headquartered right here in Canada, and it's focused on economic education and financial literacy programs. Welcome to the program, Asil. Thank you for having me. Asil, the last two and a half years have been uh, unusual, to put it mildly. Uh, really, uh, not, never have we seen what has happened in the last couple of years ever happen to an, the economy uh, with it shutting down, all the restrictions, all the things that we have been through. But the last year has also been extraordinary when it comes to the cost of living and higher interest rates. How has this impacted Canadians' financial confidence? Well, there's lots of conditions that are absolutely felt by money. It's not a question that these conditions you're mentioning have a big toll on the Canadians. In fact, seven out of 10, uh, like note the inflation, the inflation, and they uh, realize the importance to feel more in control of their money than ever before. Uh, and I may argue that 
that number needs to be even 100%. It's it's really great for us to be engaged with our finances and and feel the need to be in control of our money without just having external circumstances force us to be to to be or feel that way. Um, so unfortunately, there's lots of us uh, Canadians who are living paycheck to paycheck. So increase in inflation and interest rate is not something they can withstand for a long time. And therefore, their financial confidence is heavily impacted. There's definitely lots of increased spending habits around these times. And for these reasons, I track unconscious economics. We partnered to create mindfulness and money for Canadians to help them navigate these uncertain economic times. Uh, so financial confidence is not a a linear path it definitely goes up and down depending what's happening in our lives individually but also collectively and and around the world so it's interesting to to realize how we can empower ourselves with the right tools so that mm. we can navigate regardless what challenge we we face and we have faced so many challenges in the last Absolutely. two and a half years, in the last year. Uh, you did mention a little bit there about uh, some groups that have been affected. Is there a group of people that have just been more affected by the uh, economic conditions that we've experienced, especially in 2022, um, that you're more concerned about going into 2023 when it comes to their financial confidence? Yes, there's research by Interact that shows that younger Canadians, um, as well as households that have income under 55,000 and women are likely to face more barriers than the other demographics. So these three groups are generally more impacted. Um, and these barriers are are different for, for each of them. For example, some may feel the burden of raising inflation, higher living costs. But also another barrier could be the lack of knowledge around financial terminology. For a very long time now, there's uh, these groups have felt excluded from the financial conversation. And this is why at Conscious Economics, we're always trying to create relatable content to engage with groups that otherwise would have not um, participated in the conversation around financial not, literacy and financial knowledge. Uh, another thing I would like to mention is that women, Gen Zs and millennials, and those with lower household income are li likely to actually feel more overwhelmed because of their lack of knowledge with which which also attributes to them feeling um, less involved with their finances. So what can these groups of people or anybody who's feeling like their money situation has just gotten out of control, they don't know how to get back on track, they just feel uh, maybe embarrassed to ask certain questions, what can Canadians do who are feeling financially unconfident to, to, unconfident to find the resources to build that confidence back up and uh, to, to get on a path of more financial wellness? Great question. And I love that because absolutely, like we, we acknowledge the problem. So what can we do about it? So there's a few things I would say about that. The first being, there's a partnership that I mentioned between Interact and Conscious Economics that produces content. The one we're talking about today is, for example, Mindfulness and Money, which is free digital learning platform to support the development of financial well-being skills through the lens of mindfulness to all Canadians coast to coast. So anybody listening to us today, you have access to this program that is delivered by different experts and community leaders who, who've lived similar experiences to the ones, um, to the listeners, and therefore the, the material and the tools is delivered in a relatable in a relatable way. Um, what 
is also unique about this program is that it incorporates the new concept of financial therapy, which is led by myself. I'm a financial therapist. And that encourages Canadians from all backgrounds to look inwards uh, on their financial journey. And what I mean by that is, uh, is really a, a addressing the underlying layer be behind the lack of financial confidence, behind the lack of your um, engagement, behind your financial anxiety, and all these different barriers that you face. There's definitely a host of emotions that contribute to these problems. And therefore, I encourage people to go to the root and not just the symptom of what we're experiencing. Um, so... How does someone yeah. uh, get in touch with a financial therapist if that's something that they feel is what they need to get that confidence back? Great question. Financial therapy actually started in after the 2008 market crash in the US and there's definitely um, a financial therapy association that started as a result and lots of different financial therapists in the US. This domain is getting traction other places in the world such as Canada and, and Europe. Uh, so in Canada, there's not many other financial therapists that I'm aware of, but I'm hoping as we get more aware about the intersection of mental health and financial well-being gets recognized, more and more people get the right education to guide um, Canadians through this path of financial wellness. Because you can't just address the, the, the behavior without going into the route to why it started and how to move forward from it. Now, even before the pandemic, uh, Canadians were uh, faced with uh, record number, record high debt levels uh, when it came to their consumer debt and their mortgage debt. Uh, already concerned about, you know, housing prices. It just sort of got exacerbated during the pandemic. But these concerns were already there. And then at that time, especially, um, we weren't seeing those salary increases that we are now experiencing, even though they're not at the rate of inflation. So there was still a lot of financial anxiety. How has how has it changed? since the pandemic started what, what what major changes have you seen uh, while it's hard to generalize like you said there is research by interact that found most canadians 63 percent to be specific they indicated that their previous behaviors like you were talking about negatively impacted what they're going through right now so these factors include not investing earlier um, spending beyond their means or taking on credit card or other types of debt uh, beyond beyond what they're capable of and and lastly not asking enough questions about their finances when they're younger which is a huge one so all these different things are catching up to us today like you're mentioning um, and these uh, certainly are like magnified as a result of the pandemic so what i would recommend is that it's never too late now that we are aware like if, if you're listening to this and you're going through these realizations there's definitely underlying guilt and shame that comes up that comes out uh, as a result of us facing the truth because the truth isn't always pretty um, but what i would encourage those listening is that by equipping yourself with the right knowledge you tend to be more active and fight financial anxiety because knowledge is power and that's how you translate and integrate this realization into action. So I'd certainly recommend not only to visit Mindfulness and Money, but to start asking questions, to start realizing where your weak points are and to um, create an action plan that helps you bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Asil, tell me a little bit more about conscious economics. Uh, what kind of resources are available to those individuals who do get in touch with you and the kind of uh, events that they can look forward to if if they um, if they go to your if they if they visit your site? 
Absolutely. You can visit ConsciousEconomics.ca. Basically, it's a nonprofit organization that is rooted on equipping us to prepare ourselves for the future of work. And Conscious Economics is built on four pillars, people, planet, profit, and art. And by doing that, art is is a big uh, part of our organization because it really helps engage and and invite and people to the conversation that would have otherwise not felt invited. We have a motto at Conscious Economics that says, everyone deserves a seat on the table. So in the past, um, when we talk about money or the economy or the future of work, it, we imagine specific people who sat on the table to have these conversations. And what we're trying to do here is build the right resources to invite everybody in, but also give a platform to hear their voices, to hear the voices of the new generation, the women, uh, households with low income, all these um, groups that I mentioned earlier that face higher barriers. We're trying to engage them and and create um, a, a place for them in these conversations. Asil, thank you so much for joining us today, for breaking down the the results of this survey and and letting us know how we can become more financially confident in the new year. Do you have, uh, Asil, a a New Year's resolution you'd like to share with us? I know a lot of us make uh, resolutions about money. Uh, I'm going (laughs) to save more. I'm going to pay down debt. And that all, all has to do with financial wellness as well. But is there anything specifically that you're hoping to maybe improve on in the new year? Uh, one thing I developed recently, I, I heard this tip somewhere, is to create a theme or like a one word instead of just writing different goals. Obviously, you can expand on that one word and, and write different goals associated with it, but it helps you narrow down the, the main focus of your year. So personally, for my 2023, I'd like my theme or word to be self-love. And all the goals that I, are associated with that are, are inspired by that self-love component, which actually is a big part of financial therapy because money is so linked to our identity and our self-worth and our, our relationship with ourselves and the world. Uh, therefore, um, this particular area has a ripple effect on our mental health and, and you know, self-esteem. So therefore, uh, some people come to me to, to to improve their finances, but end up working on these areas as well as a result of that. So that's personally my theme, and it's definitely linked to all the other financial goals I have as well, uh, because I, I there's a big difference between inspire, being inspired towards your goal versus ne- being negatively motivated by circumstances that you have no control over. Well, Asil, it's been a, a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much. Happy holidays and all the best in 2023. Thank you so much for having me again and happy holidays for you as well. Thanks. That's Asil Albaba. She's from Conscious Economics talking about how we can build our financial confidence. And she shared her uh, her New Year's resolution with us. I'm going to share mine as well, but you're going to have to wait until the end of the show to find out what it is. I'm actually making two this year and one has to do with money and one has nothing to do with money at all. So stay tuned for that. I want to share what I'm hoping to do to just make myself a better person in 2023. Some of the bad habits I've picked up, I'm trying to kick them to the curb. I'm Rubina Ahmad Haq, and this is For What It's Worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rubina Ahmed Haq.
Like I've been mentioning, the latest inflation data shows that the cost of living continues to remain persistently high. Uh, the inflation rate from October to November went from 6.9% to 6.8%. Now, some of the headlines will tell you, oh, inflation is cooling, it's coming down. It's really not done anything. It's really just a, it's just a rounding error, to be honest. And the only reason we have seen prices come down is because of gasoline. Uh, gasoline prices have come down. That makes up a major part of inflation. And that's why we've seen that that inflation number come down. So cost of living remains persistently high. You go to the grocery store, it costs you more to buy stuff there. You go to buy household goods, it costs you more. But your salary may not be changing. But there is some good news. There are surveys that show that in 2023, companies have an appetite to pay their employees more. But is it as much as you need in order to continue the lifestyle that maybe you had last year or the year before when your money just went further. To talk about this, and if you are in a position where you think you could be making more money, I wanted to welcome in our guest, Mark Franklin. He is a career counselor, practice lead of Career Cycles, and co-founder of OneLifeTools.com. Mark, welcome to the program. Thanks, Rubina. Great to be here. So when it comes to salaries, uh, from your perspective, dealing with clients, getting people ready to, to get to really just nail that interview when they're in there, what are you expecting in 2023? Well, I'm seeing the same thing you are, Rubin. It's interesting. We see both the expectation that people want to get more, um, whether they're seeking a new job or whether they're in an existing job and asking for an increase. Uh, we've all seen the cost of living and inflation go up. There's merit increases. So somebody might be thinking, hey, I should get, you know, 10 or 12 percent increase to take into account both merit and cost of living. But on the other hand, I'm seeing some data that says that employers are only expecting 4 percent increase for budgets around salary. So there's this um, mismatch and maybe a, a, an expectation that isn't isn't quite aligned. And so we're seeing a lot of people thinking, well, you know, if I don't get what I want, I guess I could quit and find another job. And, you know, unemployment is at record low levels in Canada, just around 5%, the U.S. even lower. So you might feel confident that you could go and find something else. But at the same time, I'm also seeing that employers are feeling kind of hesitant. They're being picky. There's a recession coming and they're kind of worried. So there's this kind of misalignment, I think, out there in the market. Definitely a disconnect, right? So you're getting a message that says salaries are going to go up, but not as much as inflation. They don't put that little added sort of fine print underneath, which is I think employees should know and job seekers should know before they go in and ask for that higher salary. If you do feel like you're in a position, maybe you had some really big wins at work in 2022, you think that you are in a position to ask for more money and you want to do it in the company that you're at. What are some ways that a, a worker can just set them out, uh, set themselves up for success uh, to, to land that raise with their current company? Right. It's a, it's a great question. And, and, you know, first off, I want to say that not just salary is negotiable. Whether you're seeking a new job or whether you're in an existing job, I mean, the numbers are important and everybody looks at the money, but there's also the timing of your salary review. If you don't get what you want, you might get uh, negotiate a salary review quicker than expected, maybe six or nine months away instead of 12 months. Um, professional development is also something that's really important as we move into the skills economy and people need to keep on skilling up. So could you get negotiate for more development, professional development conferences and so on? But if you do want to uh, negotiate, well, first of all, your listeners should reach out to a career professional. Go uh, 
search on the internet and find a career professional for your city, say Career Counseling Toronto, and find somebody to help. But, you know, you should walk in there and be prepared. Uh, so one of the key things we tell clients at Career Cycles is to really do some homework. Um, every professional association, for example, the engineers in Ontario, they publish a salary review, a salary survey. And so if you go in armed with something and not just saying, hey, I need more money or my cost is going up, so could you give me more money? Um, but to say, look, um, people in my position with my amount of experience and uh, the number of years since I graduated are getting between X and Y, and I have some data to back it up, and you could use that to support your argument. So um, sometimes walking in there with some research can be very helpful as opposed to going in there just saying, hey, this is what I would like to receive. Yeah. And you mentioned there a little bit, Mark, about how it's not all about the dollars. Although from what I have always experienced that salary does trump most things. If a company is willing to pay you above and beyond others, job seekers are more likely to land there. But if you're comparing two companies with same salaries, there are other ways that they can compensate workers um, that have really changed in the last couple of years. Uh, More focus on mental health, more focus on wellness. Talk to me a little bit about about how uh, how corporations, companies, employers are really beefing up their benefits package to make themselves more attractive to top talent. For sure. And especially after the pandemic, one of the things people are wanting is work from home. And so remember, if you get to work from home two or three days a week, you're saving on commuting costs and the time that it takes and the frustration. So there's there's something to be said about that. It's a trade-off between salary and some of the money that you're spending. But for sure, uh, during the pandemic, we saw a spike in, in mental health issues. So many leading companies are providing employee assistance programs, EAP, and often that comes with a, a package of counseling. I know some organizations we're seeing offer both personal counseling, financial counseling, career counseling. Um, so those are always welcome. Some companies offer something called a health spending account, which is really great because it helps you direct your benefits dollars in the direction that you want instead of it being a fixed number for, say, dental and and vision and so on. So health spending accounts are really quite popular and growing. So those are a few things that people can consider as they're negotiating. But I think, uh, again, getting a career professional in your corner to help. Um, You know, many people see career professionals fly under the radar screen, and most people don't know that we exist. And you can really get some help preparing for that negotiation, because for a lot of people, it's uh, nerve-wracking, and they don't quite know where to begin, and this can be uh, really helpful. So again, check out uh, Career Counseling Your City, and you'll find a number of career professionals across the country. I definitely think career counselors are an underused uh, resource. Uh, A lot of, uh, especially corporate uh, employees will go to headhunters, right? To try to find uh, a job that uh, that is going to pay them more, give them better working conditions. But if you're not prepared for the interview, you're not going to make it so far. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, you've been throughout this conversation been saying how important it is to use those resources. But talk to me a little bit about what that what that experience is like when you're working with a career counselor to find that for find that right job for you. Yeah, right on. And and just to make a distinction for your listeners, recruiters are not career counselors, right? They are uh, hired by the client, the organization to find talent as opposed to a career coach or counselor who's in your corner and helping you uh, and supporting you both to advance in your career or to get a new job. 
Um, for many people, if they're thinking about new jobs, I mean, one of the things that people do automatically is just look online for postings, whether it's LinkedIn or Indeed, and, you know, submit a resume and then start praying. And often you hear that people don't hear anything back. It's not pretty. People get frustrated. So one of the things people can do is consider employee referral programs. Uh, our research says that something like 80% of Canadian employers are hiring at least in part through referrals. In other words, somebody internal refers you in, even if there's no posting. And that's a great way to find opportunities. You'll have, you're competing with one or two people instead of 100 or 200 people. And uh, it's really worth it to reach out to people and companies you're interested in to find out a little bit about what they do and do they have an employee referral program. And if they do, you might just get referred in. And it's a kind of secret way of getting hired that people don't utilize but is way more effective than postings and praying yeah and I, I really appreciate how you made that distinction between a recruiter and a career counselor or often they're often referred to as headhunters as well which I think probably illustrates exactly what they do they're looking for a head to fill this job and so uh, it is a completely different experience uh, when you work with those two different types of professionals if someone's listening to this conversation and they're saying you know what I want to make more money I think I'm worth more uh, is there certain sectors or industries that are just more likely to offer those higher salaries or their, those those pay bumps in 2023 compared to others? Yeah, it, you know, people are always looking for that. Where's the hot part in the market? And for sure, if you go and speak to a career coach or counselor, they're going to help you find what's a good fit that balances your needs part of which may be growth and advancement, part of which may be alignment with your experience or, or education, you know, and part of it may be the money. Um, so we still see tech, the tech sector in many areas is, is growing. So in the big cities like Toronto, you find financial services also growing. Um, you know, frontline services in all areas from healthcare to hospitality. I'm not saying that's where the best money is, but the demand is great. Employers can't hang on to people well enough in, in hospitality. So these are some areas to look at. But again, working with a career coach or counselor can help you zero in on what's the right kind of sweet spot between what the world needs, what you have to offer, and, and you know, overlapping that with your, your best options for making the kind of money you need to live in an expensive city and an expensive country. Mark, it's always such a pleasure to speak to you. Before we let you go, I have two things I wanted to ask you. One is, do you have a New Year's resolution? You can answer that in just a moment because I need, I know you need a second to think about it. But tell me a little bit about One Life Tools. What is that resource and how can people use it? Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, um, how do people make those career decisions? And a, a practice of reflection is the best way. So many people will experience a, a high school career test that told them to be a potato farmer or something else. And instead, what we do at One Life Tools is use a narrative or story-based approach. So it's very engaging for people to share their stories. And what can you learn from stories? You can learn about skills and interests and values and so what we do with One Life Tools is help people identify those skills, interests, and values, not by taking one of those tests that might have silly results, but instead from an engaging experience of sharing your stories and sharing your narrative. So we've been doing that, and, and we at Career Cycles use that approach, and now we have thousands of people across the U.S. and Canada using those tools. So if you have any coaches or counselors or therapists listening, um, that's something that they could check out at One Life Tools. Perfect. And Mark, very quickly, do you have a New Year's uh, resolution for 2023? Anything that you just want to do better in the, in the next 12 months? Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, like I've been working at that One Life Tools for a long time now, and we're, we're just looking to hit a tipping point. You know, the pandemic completely stalled us. 
So part of it is to get back on track. There's a game there called Who You Are Matters that's a wonderful experience. And we had to turn it into a virtual experience. So we're trying to really, uh, you know, hit a home run with this Who You Are Matters gamified approach to career development. And hopefully with the pandemic mostly behind us, we'll be able to have more in-person activities and more engagement with, uh, with these kinds of conversations. Sounds like the career counselor has made a resolution to just build on their career. Very, very much uh, in line with uh, in line with what I would expect. Mark, thank you so much uh, for making the time to speak to us. Happy holidays to you and all the best in 2023. Pleasure. Thanks, Ravina, and happy holidays to you and all your listeners. Okay, thank you. That's Mark Franklin. He is a career counselor with CareerCycles.com. Uh, uh, you can reach him in all those links that he also mentioned. Uh, 2023 could be a year that you could ask for that salary, but you have to really know how to prepare before you walk into your boss's office. Uh, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about my New Year's resolution. I've got a money one, and I've also got one that's more uh, touchy-feely, if uh, you want to call it that. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck. This is for what it's worth. From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, you're listening to For What It's Worth with Robina ahmed Hawk. The best things in life are free. But you can well, it's a new year, and, and during the new year, at least the first couple of days of it, we all make these financial resolutions. What are the top five? I'm sure we all know. Number one is I'm going to get fit. I'm going to lose weight. I'm finally going to get rid of that 10 pounds I've been carrying around, whatever it is. Uh, a lot of people make uh, the commitment to just be more healthy, more physically healthy. And that's why we see things like gym memberships and yoga studios and fitness equipment just sell out at this time because we all get sort of focused on that. And we know how the story goes, right? We stick with it for a while. Life gets busy and we fall off the wagon, so to speak, and we go back to our old habits. Um, there are other resolutions that people make, but one of the other really popular ones is, is that I'm going to get a handle on my money. Uh, year over year, people will say, well, I want to save more money this year. I want to put more money down towards my debt. I just want to be more financially well. And that's something that, uh, just like the gym, if you over-promise yourself, you're going to fail. If you say to yourself, I'm going to save $50,000 this year, you're not going to get there if you're making $75,000 a year, right? It's really difficult if you set these big, huge, lofty goals to meet them. And then when you fail, you feel so discouraged that you end up giving up on everything. So this year, my advice is that you set realistic goals and you really keep your eye not on 2023, but on 2033, on 2043, Really play the long game when it comes to your money, because those of us who save our money quietly and steadily and not too much at a time are much better off than those of us who try to save a lot of money really quickly in a short amount of time, because A, it disrupts your lifestyle, it disrupts your personal finances, and it starts to feel like a job. But when it's just a little bit coming off, sips of money coming off every single month, every paycheck, it doesn't hurt as much. And so you continue. It's just like that investment that maybe you bought a couple of years ago and you never really paid attention to it. You haven't bought it or sold it, but you put it on drip, 
the direct reinvestment plan. So every time that company gets a share, uh, gets a dividend rather for its, gives a dividend for its shareholders, they rebuy some stocks for you. And so you'll open it up and you'll say, wow, I didn't realize I was doing so well. It's because you sort of ignored it. We kind of have to take that approach with our money. I'm not saying go on autopilot. I don't believe in that, but I do think that we need to set realistic goals that don't hurt us so much that whenever that money comes out, it doesn't feel like pain. It feels like something that's manageable. Um, I recently heard Susie Orman uh, give this example of how a compound interest, and this is something that anyone can do with any calculator. It's not like she's reinventing the wheel here or anything, but definitely something that speaks to how saving early really makes a difference. So saving $100 a month when you, if you started at 25 years old um, and you saved it into, say, the S&P 500 index, which will return you about 9% historically. So this is saving it for 40 years. You're going to have more than a million dollars in that account, $100 a month. You know, you've got to do it consistently and you can never, ever stop. $100 a month. Doesn't seem like that much money, even for a 25-year-old. But if you were to fast forward and start that $100 a month at 35, your money would only grow at about 300000 That 10 years that that person who started 10 years before you has on you really is where the magic happens. That's when you really start seeing the benefits of compound uh, investing, compound interest. So go into a compound calculator, calculate how long you want to hang on to your money and how much you need to put in there to get to your goals and set those realistic goals, not for just this year, but for your future self and for your, yourself that maybe you don't even recognize right now. Maybe you're too young to see yourself in retirement or see yourself with kids or all the rest that comes later in life. And so this is the best advice anyone can give to you is that starting early when it comes to your saving, saving small now for a long time is better than saving big later for a short time. I wanted to share my New Year's resolution. So one is I want to be more mindful of my spending. I feel I have co come off track a little bit during the pandemic with doing a lot of make me happy purchases. And so I never have, was like that. The pandemic really created this new person uh, that really just wanted to please herself. So buying clothing that I didn't need, buying uh, things for my house that I didn't need. Uh, I want to become more mindful of that and, and just get back to the basics of what I was before March 2020 and really take a break from some shopping. I'm in 2023. I'm not going to be that dramatic. Again, I'm not, I'm going to set realistic goals, but I'm really going to stick to only buying things that I need because I've got everything. I, I'm, I'm lucky and blessed enough to feel like I've got everything. The only thing I need to do is buy the basics. And the other one is I'm going to be more sensitive. Uh, this is something that I have recognized in myself over the last I'd say two or three years. Again, I think the the pandemic made it a little bit worse is that I've become a little insensitive to other people's feelings. Um, and this has a lot to do with a lot of the divisions that have been created during the pandemic, a lot of the things that have been said that I have said during the pandemic. And I feel like I need to get back to being a little bit more empathetic uh, to other people and to understand that the world doesn't revolve around me. Uh, people see things differently. People have a different point of view. And I used to be that kind of person that would really sort of stand in another person's shoes to see how they feel rather than you should listen to me. So that are, those are my two New Year's resolutions. I think they're completely doable. There's nothing in there that I think is going to over, uh, over, overwhelm me or make me feel like I've just made a promise that I can't keep. So what is your New Year's resolution? Maybe you could tweet me at Rabina Ahmed Huck and let me know what your New Year's resolution is. It doesn't have to be about money. It doesn't have to be about work. I know that this is what this show is about, but what are you hoping to accomplish in the new year? What are you hoping to change in your life in the new year? 
I want to thank everybody for listening. This is a brand new show for what it's worth. And we have so much great content lined up for 2023. I really hope that this is the kind of show that you come to when you really just want to learn about your money. And when you walk away thinking, I could do that. That's something that I could implement in my life today. This is not one where you're going to be bombarded with terminology or uh, conversations that feel that uh, are not for you. Uh, these, these are going to be conversations that if you're 15 or 95, you'll all be able to relate to it. But I definitely will have segments that talk to how you can help your eight-year-old be better with money, how you can set them up for success early in life so that they always have those tools with them when they go off into the adult world. Because a lot of people are raising kids and not really teaching them about financial literacy. They're keeping all the secrets when it comes to money, just like we've experienced in the past. And then when they become adults, those same children, they don't know how to deal with their money because they've never really experienced it. I want to wish everybody a happy holiday. I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah. I hope you get time with your family. I hope you get time to relax. I know I will. I'm off now for two weeks. I'm really going to soak it in. And I hope you get a chance to do that too. This is for what it's worth. And I'm Ruby Nomad Huck.